Well, I don't know what you had originally planned for Easter today, but this probably wasn't it, right? Some of you probably planned to wear a brand new dress and look really pretty today. And some of you probably had planned to put on that, that suit that you hate to wear. But instead, that's not what today looks like, right? Some of you, some of you are sitting there right now watching this, and you haven't even showered yet. <laughs> you know who you are. I think for, for a lot of people today, it doesn't feel like Easter. I think for a lot of people today, uh, kind of feels like Easter was canceled. Because there's no big church gathering to go to. There's no big family dinner to go to today. No big Easter ham with that marmalade glaze that grandma would put on it. No big Easter egg hunt to go to with all the plastic eggs and the candy inside. No big shopping trips to go buy marshmallow peeps and candy and prizes that you would put into a basket and then pretend that the Easter bunny hid them somewhere in the house or in the yard. For a lot of people, today kind of feels like Easter was canceled. And I guess if, if Easter was really about those kind of things, then I can understand why it would feel that way. But here's the good news. The good news is that Easter was never really about any of those kind of things in the first place. That's not what Easter is about. You know, if the whole world was suddenly purged of, of jelly beans, couldn't find them anywhere, if, if the whole world suddenly uh, was purged of, of the Easter bunny and, and, and little plastic eggs, could we still celebrate Easter? If you went to the store and, and nowhere to be found were the marshmallow peeps, I think I would be a little sad. But could we still celebrate Easter? If you went out to the store and, and you couldn't find any scalloped potatoes and, and, and all of the, the really fancy canned hams were gone and, and there was no chocolate, no chocolate to be found anywhere, it was like someone hoarded all the chocolate uh, in the same pantry that they're, they're hiding all the toilet paper. If all of this stuff went away, could we still celebrate Easter? Well, obviously the answer to that question is yes. We absolutely can still celebrate Easter because Easter is the celebration of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Anything that is not connected to the resurrection of Jesus Christ, that was never really Easter anyway. You know, if you, if you think about everything that you did have planned for today, before all of this happened, we all had different plans, I'm sure, but take away all of that, right? All that stuff got canceled. It's all been canceled. What are we really left with today? What are we really left with? We're left with the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's what we're left with. And I guess the question that we need to wrestle with this morning is, the resurrection of Jesus, is that really enough to make today special? Is celebrating the resurrection of Jesus Christ, maybe in a different way, in a different setting, 
Is the resurrection of Jesus enough to make today special? We don't have Cadbury eggs that we're uh, enjoying for some people or these big family gatherings, right? That stuff's, stuff's gone for today. Is the resurrection enough? Today we are wrapping up our series through the book of 1 Corinthians that we've been studying together. And what has tied together, this theme that has tied together this entire study of the book of 1 Corinthians has been learning how applying God's word, applying God's truth to our everyday lives, how that makes life better. And what Paul has to teach us in chapter 15 of 1 Corinthians about the resurrection, not only is it going to make our Easter celebration a whole lot better, I believe it has the potential to make our lives better. And I know that's a pretty big claim, but some of you, I think, are, are, are watching this and you're coming into it with these doubts. You have these doubts about the resurrection of Jesus, or maybe you don't even believe it at all. I understand that. I understand that there's some people who are watching this, and that's just where you're at right now. And I'm glad that you're watching. I'm glad that you're listening. To you, the resurrection story of Jesus is no different than the Easter bunny, and you know, the, the Easter bunny is more fun than a boring church service anyway. I also know that some of you believe the historical record of the resurrection of Jesus. You don't doubt it. You believe it. But you have no clue why that matters to your everyday life. You believe that Jesus died on the cross. You believe he rose from the dead. But guess what? Satan believes that those are true facts. And it's very possible that you... You believe the historical record of the, of the death of Jesus and the resurrection of Jesus and have no idea how or why that should impact your everyday life. And I think that's why what Paul has to teach us in 1 Corinthians 15 is so important for us. Number one, because Paul actually saw Jesus alive after his death, after the resurrection. He was an eyewitness Jesus being alive after the resurrection. And so what he has to teach us about the resurrection, I think, speaks to those who may have doubts, who, who may uh, have uh, disbelief in the reality of the resurrection. But I think when we look at Paul's life and we see how the resurrection radically changed him, I think what he has to teach us about the resurrection also speaks to those of us who might wonder, why does the resurrection matter to my life today. It's good to know. I, I believe it. I don't question it. But how does that impact my life today? If you would grab your Bible, if you don't already have it on your lap, if you have a Bible in your home somewhere, would you go ahead and grab your Bible and open it up to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. What I'd like to do is just dive in to chapter 15 with you today. And we're going to learn together how we can be wise about the resurrection. 
verses 1 and 2, Paul writes, Let me now remind you, dear brothers and sisters, of the good news I preached to you before. You welcomed it then, and you still stand firm in it. It is the good news, it is the gospel that saves you if you continue to believe the message I told you, unless, this is important, he says, unless, of course, you believe something that was never really true in the first place. Paul starts out chapter 15 by pointing the attention of the church back to the gospel, back to the good news of Jesus Christ. The good news that Jesus Christ is, is, is what saves us from our sin. It's what saves us from our separation from God. But he says, if in fact it is true. I think before we can explore the truth of the gospel, we need to make sure we all understand what the gospel is. Let's just clarify that for a moment because Paul does. Paul clarifies what he means by the good news of Jesus. What he means by describing the gospel is what saves us. In verse 3, he says, I passed on to you what was most important and what had also been passed on to me. Here's the gospel. Christ died for our sins, just as the scriptures said. Jesus Christ died on the cross for our sins. His death was a substitute payment for your sin debt, for my sin debt that we owe God. Simple things that we have said and thought and done. We owe this sin debt to God and His, his wrath against our sin is not ever going to be appeased by us trying to uh, outweigh those sinful thoughts, actions, and deeds with other good deeds. That's just not how it's ever going to work. We can't be good enough to satisfy the wrath of God against our sin. This is why Jesus came to the earth and died on the cross in the first place, to be a substitute payment for your sin debt, for my sin debt, that we owe God. It wasn't that, that God was bored and thought, what could I do for fun? Oh, I'll send my son to die on the cross for no reason whatsoever. Jesus came and died on the cross as a substitute payment for your sin, for my sin. Verse 4, he was buried, he was raised from the dead on the third day, just as the scriptures said. Christ died on Friday, he was buried, then raised to life on Sunday. Jesus defeated death, Jesus defeated sin. He proved through his resurrection that everything he claimed about himself is true, that he is God, that he is the only way to be made right with God that He is the only one who can forgive our sins. Now, after explaining what the gospel is, what the, what the good news message of Jesus is, Paul then lays out evidence that this gospel message, that the truth of the resurrection is absolutely true. He says in verses 5 through 8, he, he lays out evidence of eyewitnesses that saw Jesus after the resurrection. He talks about Peter and the rest of the disciples. Verse 6 is absolutely fascinating to me. He says, after that, Jesus was seen by more than 500 
of his followers. And he says that uh, most of them are still alive. And I think the reason he, he uh, includes that is just as a challenge. You, you don't believe me? There's almost 500 of them out there still alive. Go ask them. They're still alive. Go talk to them. Do the research. Uh, go search them out and, and, and ask them to tell you what they saw seen by James and the apostles, and then finally seen by Paul. Paul lays out this evidence. He was an eyewitness. There's hundreds of eyewitnesses that saw Jesus after the resurrection. His point being, the resurrection is true. And he gives this list of eyewitnesses. Now, typically in a normal setting, uh, eyewitnesses, just even a, a small handful of eyewitnesses would be enough for a normal person, a thinking, rational person, to say, to conclude, okay, then what was witnessed was accurate and true. You know, if you were watching your, your favorite court drama, courtroom drama, I don't know if you like Law and Order, I don't know if you like Judge Judy, I'm not sure what you're into, but if you're watching your favorite courtroom drama and they start bringing all these different witnesses in, you're probably going to get to witness number like 20 or 30, and you're going to be starting to think, wait a minute, do, do we really need to bring in 500 witnesses onto the stand? We've already heard from 20 or 30 of these witnesses, and they've all said the same thing. They all said they saw the same thing. I don't need to hear any more testimony. The dude is guilty. He's been hoarding all the toilet paper, right? In a normal setting... And with rational thinking people, uh, a number, a small number of eyewitnesses would be all that would be required for us to say, okay, I get it. I, I, I see that this is what happened. Paul lays out hundreds of eyewitnesses. What's interesting in, in Paul's writing in this letter, uh, what happens next, what's, what's interesting to me about it, is in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 12, Paul then poses this question, but what if, what if the resurrection is not true? What if the resurrection is not true? He says in verse 12, but tell me this, since we preach that Christ rose from the dead, why are some of you saying there will be no resurrection of the dead? If there's no resurrection of the dead then Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised, then all of our preaching, it's useless. Your faith is useless. And we apostles would all be lying about God, for we have said that God raised Christ from the grave. But that can't be true if there's no resurrection of the dead. And if there's no resurrection of the dead, then Christ has not been raised. And if Christ has not been raised then your faith is useless and you are still guilty of your sins. In that case, all who have died believing in Christ are lost. If our hope in Christ is only for this life, we are more to be pitied than anyone in the world. Paul poses this question, what if the resurrection of Jesus is not true? If it's not true then preaching, sermons, is absolutely useless. What we're doing right now, we're wasting our time. You're wasting your time listening. 
I'm wasting my time talking. If the resurrection is not true, then all of this talk about faith in God and all of these, these Bible verses that we quote and, and that we, we hang on the wall in our homes and these, these decorative things from Joanna Gaines or whoever, they're pointless. They have no power. They have no truth. They're futile. They might look nice, but they're meaningless. If the resurrection is not true, then all the spiritual things that we do, like go to church and pray and read our Bible, it's a waste of time. Pointless. The Christian songs that we sing, whether you were singing in your home today or when we're together in a, in a church gathering and we're singing songs or you're in your car and you've got Caleb on or the message on, you're singing these Christian songs. Might have nice tunes, but if the resurrection isn't true, then you're singing songs of false hope. If the resurrection is not true, then, then people who suffer for their faith, they have suffered for nothing. If we sacrifice or we deny ourselves anything for the sake of God's kingdom, we've wasted our time. There's no point to it. We might as well have just enjoyed whatever it is that we sacrificed or denied ourselves. We've done it for no reason if the resurrection's not true. If we live a righteous life, like if we choose to seek after God's standards of right and wrong for our lives and order our lives around His boundaries and His, His standards for life, if, if we pursue that, we, we've wasted our time. We might as well have just done whatever it is that we want to do. Because if the resurrection is not true, then we are just as lost in our sin as the person who doesn't believe the resurrection, as the person who doesn't care what God says is right or wrong. We're just as bound for hell or some state of annihilation into nothingness as the person who doesn't believe the resurrection is true. If it's not, just in case you didn't feel bad enough at this point, Paul also says, you know what else? You're also a liar. If the resurrection is not true, then when you share your, your faith with someone, when you share your hope in Jesus Christ, your hope beyond this life, when you do that, you're lying to people if it's not true. Welcome, welcome to Grace Fellowship Church, where we like to put a big black cloud, a big black rain cloud over your already bummed out Easter. Paul asked this question, and I hope you're really thinking through what he's asking. What if the resurrection of Jesus isn't true? And I know there's lots of people, they might even be listening to this this morning, there, there are lots of people that believe in our modern world that, that, uh, that the resurrection of Jesus isn't true. And so they probably, right now, are thinking, yeah, you're right, all that stuff you just mentioned, all that spiritual uh, thing that you just talked about, all that stuff, it is pointless, it is useless. It's a waste of time. And I get that, right? If you don't believe the resurrection is true... I totally understand why you would think that everything that we as Christians do is a pointless waste of time. But what does it say 
What does it say about those who claim that they do believe the resurrection of Jesus is true? And yet, they treat everything that we just mentioned as a pointless waste of time. I'm going to press into that for just a moment and, and probably make you a little bit uncomfortable. If the resurrection of Jesus is not true, and you, and you somehow in this moment came to that realization that it's not true, would your life look any different than it does right now? Or are you already living your life like the resurrection of Jesus never happened? Has the resurrection of Jesus made very little impact in your everyday life? Gathering with other believers was never really that important to you before all this got started anyway, right? And for some, this, this pandemic hasn't really affected uh, your church attendance commitment much at all. For some, Bible verses make nice decorations in your house, right? You like the way they look on that, on that wall or on that little stand there on your, on your coffee table. But when it comes to ordering your life under the authority of God's Word, really haven't been that interested in that for quite a while. It's not really a priority for you. You know, you have these songs that are sung at church, and you're just kind of really not that into it anyway. Maybe you sing along mindlessly. Maybe, maybe you don't even sing at all. You're just kind of looking out the window and wonder what's for lunch. Maybe God's standards of right and wrong really aren't that important to you. You have your own way of thinking about life, and you have your own standards that you set, your own moral code or whatever. Or maybe, maybe sharing your faith with others, that, that's really not that important to you anyway. Or suffering or sacrificing for the sake of God's kingdom, not really that important, not, not a priority in your life. You think about it, honestly, are you living your life like the resurrection of Jesus Christ isn't true? Because if the resurrection of Jesus Christ is not true, or it doesn't really matter to your everyday life that much, it really hasn't impacted your life, then I guess Easter should be canceled. Here's the good news, though. The good news is the resurrection of Jesus Christ is absolutely true. The good news of Jesus Christ is absolutely true. In verse 20 of chapter 15, Paul writes, But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. He is the first of a great harvest of all who have died. Christ has, in fact, been raised from the dead. The resurrection of Jesus is true. And Paul, like we said, has offered this list of eyewitnesses as evidence 
that the resurrection of Jesus is true. And normally that would be enough to satisfy a rational thinking person who is genuinely seeking truth. But I would press in a little bit more and say this, think about just normal human behavior from your own life experience. If we go back and we look at the historical record that we have about the people who saw Jesus alive, who watched him die, who claimed that they saw him after the resurrection, if we just look at the at, at their pattern of behavior, and, and we have an understanding of what normal people do. When we read through the historical record of those who say they witnessed the death and resurrection of Jesus, I think when you read through the book of Mark, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, when you read through their account, their historical record of this event, you'll find something very fascinating. The women who went to the tomb on Sunday morning, and all four Gospels talk about this, when the women went to the tomb on Sunday morning, the reason they went that day was to take spices to anoint the body of Jesus, the dead body of Jesus. When when they went early in the morning to the tomb, they expected that Jesus was still dead. The disciples weren't sitting outside the tomb with party hats and Easter baskets doing some kind of countdown to sunrise. Where were they? They were hiding in a house. They assumed that he was still dead. When the women came and told them that Jesus was alive because they saw Jesus and, and they ran to tell the disciples What's recorded about their reaction to this news is that of disbelief and doubt. They believed he was still dead. And so it's fascinating to me to look at human behavior because one of the criticism is of the resurrection of these people that say they saw Jesus alive. Well, that's just a psychological thing. They, they, they were expecting that. That's what they all wanted to see. That's all what they hoped to see, and so they just thought that's what they saw. But that's not what the historical record reveals. They expected him to stay dead. So when Jesus reveals himself to be alive, Their first reaction was to struggle with doubt and disbelief. Fascinating. I also find this fascinating. When you read through the the Gospels, when you read through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, what you also will see is this. When they saw Jesus, when they really saw him and they believed that it was really him, their response was always to worship Jesus. That was their response, to worship Jesus. They didn't say, hey, guys, let's, let's go back to the, to the grave and let's, let's paint the tombstone a bunch of really cool colors. Guys, let's, let's go down to the Garden of Gethsemane and hide a bunch of eggs for each other. That wasn't their reaction. Their reaction when they realized the resurrection of Jesus was true 
was to worship Jesus. And every one of their lives was radically changed because the resurrection was true and it changed their lives. If you are someone listening to this today who, who has doubts about the resurrection of Jesus, I first just want to say thank you for, thank you for listening. Thank you for listening carefully. And, and I also want you to know that even, even the men and women who followed Jesus every day for three years, they saw Jesus do miracles. They, they watched him heal People who were blind gave them sight, and, and people who couldn't walk, he, he gave them the ability to walk again. He raised some people from the dead. They, they watched Jesus do these miraculous things. And even the people who saw that, the people who were closest to Jesus, struggled with doubts and disbelief at first. In fact, one of the people who struggled the most with doubt and disbelief was a man named Thomas. Thomas was told by the rest of the disciples. He wasn't there the first time Jesus revealed himself uh, to the rest of the disciples. And, and when, uh, when he came into the house, we saw Jesus, he's alive. And, and he said, no, I, I don't know what you guys saw. I don't know what you thought you saw. But I'm not going to believe that Jesus is alive until I stand face to face, until I can touch him. Shortly after that, Jesus was standing face to face with Thomas. And allowed Thomas to touch him. Jesus said this to Thomas. You believe because you see me face to face. But blessed are those who will believe. Who will not get to see me face to face. Jesus knew this day was going to come. Jesus knew that this day in your life. This moment right now. One day would come where you would hear his story. Where you would hear what he did for you. That he willingly gave up his life and suffered and died as an exchange for your soul, as a, as a payment for your sin. He knew one day you would hear this good news, this gospel truth. And he then and now hopes that you will believe, that you will believe that he's alive, that you will believe that he really did suffer and die for you in your place, that you really will believe that he is the only one who can forgive you of sin, that you will believe that he's the only one who can radically change your life and give you an eternal hope beyond this world. If you're ready to take that step of faith this morning, I just want you to know we might not be gathered as a church here in this room today, but all over this community, a number of communities, people are sitting, watching this, maybe in their living rooms, their kitchens, and I just want you to know they're praying for you, that you would take this step of faith, that you would trust Jesus, that you would pray something like, Dear God, I, I believe that you love me. I believe that you made me for a purpose Please forgive me of the things that I've said and done and thought that are sinful. I believe that Jesus died on the cross as a payment, as a sacrificial payment for my sin. 
I believe he rose from the dead, proving, proving that he has victory over sin and over death. And I trust Jesus as my forgiver of sin. I want him to be the leader of my life. I'm asking you to transform me and help me to live completely for you. Amen. Prayed a prayer like that today. We would ask that you would reach out to us and let us know. Reach out to us on the website and let us know that we'd love to come alongside and give you some more information about what it's going to look like uh, to take next steps to following Jesus and living a Jesus-centered life. To those of you who say that you believe that the resurrection of Jesus is true, can I, can I ask you to honestly wrestle with this question? Are you living like you believe the resurrection is true? Does your everyday life look like you really believe the resurrection of Jesus is true? Has your life been impacted by the resurrection of Jesus? One year ago, today, one year ago, I, I stood right here, right here, and preached an Easter sermon to a packed house. And if I'm being honest with you, that Sunday was probably the hardest sermon that I've ever had to preach in almost 20 years of preaching. A lot of you know that that, that week leading up to Easter, my dad had died in a tragic accident. I don't know what you had planned for Easter last year at this time, but I can promise you that's not what we had planned. And the reason that I was able to stand here a year ago, just days after that happened, and preach an Easter message is because the resurrection of Jesus Christ is true. And the impact of what that means when we, when we face tragedy, the impact of what that means for how we, how we walk through life when it gets hard, those are the times in life when, when the resurrection matters, when we make choices about how we're going to live our lives, how we're going to treat each other, what we're, what we're going to walk into and what we're going to walk away from. The resurrection of Jesus Christ matters in those moments. You know, the gospel of Jesus tells us that there will be a resurrection from the dead. In fact, here in, in chapter 15, as it goes on, it, it describes here and in 1 Thessalonians this day in the future when those who have trusted in Jesus as their Savior and have died but there's going to be a day in the future when Jesus appears in the sky and, and he calls up his church, when he, when he calls up the believers. He's come up here, and, and those who have died, who have trusted Christ, their bodies will be resurrected and caught up in the air with Jesus. And those of us who are alive at that time, the same thing will happen. Our bodies will, will be transformed, and we will get a new body and in the rest of this chapter, chapter 15, from 
25 to, to verse 57, he talks about this new body and what it will be like. This new resurrection body will be like the, the resurrected body of Jesus Christ. It won't be like the body that we have now. It's going to be perfect. It'll be immortal. And it's that hope that we have beyond this life, that hope that we have that one day this will all be set right. We have that hope because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The resurrection of Jesus is what gives value to a sermon. The resurrection of Jesus is what gives meaning to our gathering. The resurrection of Jesus is what gives power to our singing. It gives hope to our struggle. It gives purpose to our sacrifice. It gives satisfaction to our standards. It gives courage to our sharing hope with others. It gives life to the verses that we hang on our walls. It gives desire for what is right and disgust towards what is wrong. The resurrection of Jesus is true. And if we are wise about applying the truth of the resurrection to our everyday lives, it will change everything. So my friend, maybe what Easter has become in our culture, maybe that got canceled this year. But the power of the resurrection has not been canceled. It cannot be canceled. There is no power in heaven. There is no power on earth that can cancel out our celebration of the resurrection of Jesus Christ and what it means for this life and what it means beyond it. And so we, we pause here on this Easter Sunday as we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ and we need to ask ourselves what needs to change. What needs to change in me? What needs to change in you? To live life like we really believe the resurrection of Jesus is absolutely true. And it has impacted my life. It has impacted your life. I want to challenge you as a family to talk about that today. I don't know what your Easter dinner is going to look like. I'm sure it's probably different than what you had planned. But I want to challenge you to talk about how the resurrection of Jesus is impacting you and how it should impact your everyday life. Whether you talk about it or pray about it as a, as a family or this is something you're going to pray through as an individual believer this week, I would challenge you to take time today, take time this week and pray and ask God to fill every part of your life with the resurrection power of Jesus Christ. I bless you. Happy Easter. We celebrate, not this stuff. We celebrate the resurrection, the truth of the resurrection of Jesus Christ.